Welcome to Causing the Effect, where we will connect and change the mind and body. Everyone listening, welcome to episode 100 of Causing the Effect. I have... I would consider you guys friends now by this point. So what I did for episode 100 was bring together my favorite mind-focused people. We have Laura and Courtney from Points of Illumination. How are you guys doing? Great. Thank you for having us. Oh, no. Really honored. Stop, guys. Everybody check out Points (laughs) of Illumination. All the notes will be in the bottom. I'm not doing the selling bullshit for episode 100. I'm so excited for this. I need to also have a man who needs no introduction to causing the effect. And he's been knighted by me already. As the Lord of Cause and the Effect, Raj Corsia. Raj, how you doing, bud? Yeah, it's nice to be here, man. And it's nice to see you at number 100. It's, dude, Raj, we've been doing this since episode 20, man. This is this has yeah. been exciting. Uh, I'm really, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm grateful for you guys. So truly thank you for joining me throughout the process and being supportive and, and all that stuff. Because it really means a lot. It's, um, this has lifted my life more ways than you guys know. And you guys have to in particularly. And um, thank you to the fans. Thank you to, I don't know. We're blowing up guys. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know what's doing it, but um, thank you to everyone listening. It it means the world here. Um, We're going to give you a lot of good info today. I thought it'd be nice to start with, you know, we're going to just start talking about, I would, you know, we'll go one by one picking, you know, what has been the biggest technique or the biggest exercise, the biggest, hack so to say or even a book that has changed your life that you think could be easily applicable for other people and you know we'll start with the ladies here um i won't put either of you on the spot whoever wants to start first we'll start with that question i'll start (laughs) um so it's courtney here and gosh you know so i was actually listening to an episode that you and raj did and you guys were talking about, you know, bodybuilding and then moving more into the mind. So moving more into mental focus and meditation. And Raj especially was talking about this, how like COVID hit and you guys couldn't go to the gym and lift weights. And so it got really mind focused. And for me, for so long, well, actually being a woman, you know, there's so much focus around the body, like the physical body. You, know, you see it in beauty magazines, you it's all over, it's pushed on us, like be small, be thin, be all these things. So I would say kind of like you guys, my original um, wellness actually began through uh, exercise, you know, just general exercise, like some lifting weights, a lot of running, a lot of like, I'm, I'm pretty slender anyway, but just focus on like toning up, looking a certain way, like contorting my body to look a certain way. And this was you know, my early twenties and, and then, um, I found yoga and I was, I had a lot of anxiety when I was young. And I remember I went to my first yoga class and somebody told me I should go. I was a dancer. I was a ballerina for a long time. And they said, we really think you'd like yoga. And I went and it just killed me. It was like a really hardcore vinyasa class. And Mm -hmm. I left and I was just like, Whoa. And I went back the next day and I just kept going I like couldn't stop because I can't ever remember anything making me feel so good not good only physically but good mentally good emotionally etc and um I have this I have a lot of interest and focus around trauma I'm really interested in the nervous system and trauma in the body but not trauma in the big sense of trauma maybe like PTSD war tra- PTSD trauma like war trauma but more of trauma of like chronic stress Um, like trauma and just the busy life we live and and trauma even for a woman being um, told we should look a certain way by magazines etc by certain standards that's a trauma and so everything I do now um, goes back to this idea of like how how gentle can I be with myself Uh, why am I doing what I'm doing Um, and and the, the trauma component is when you hear a lot of like Peter Levine, Irene Leon, a lot of these people that I follow that are very interested in trauma, the one thing that they say that is the most beneficial to any sort of trauma is yoga. And so I'm kind of going all over here, but what I wanted to get back with is I've been a runner, I've lifted weights, I've done all kinds of different exercises, dancing, um, you name it. But 
out of all of them, I think yoga is the one that works so much with the mind and the body together that I would have to say yoga and particularly like Hatha yoga. Um, yeah, for me. And what is Hatha yoga exactly? So Hatha yoga is more of like a vinyasa. It's so there's different, um, Raj, I know you said, uh, I think you do, you said you do yin yoga. Laura does a lot of yin yoga too. Um, I like yin yoga, but Hatha yoga is more, it's movement. It's more of a vinyasa. So our teacher in India, actually, when we, once a week, he would actually have us hold a posture for um, up to 30 minutes. So we would hold one posture, like we would stand on one leg for 30 minutes, and then we'd stand on the other leg for 30 minutes. And uh, this is actually a lot of my interest in yoga anymore is holding these extended postures and then working with the breath. So when your arm is out and your leg is out and you're just standing there for 30 minutes, focusing on your breath, you want to stop, like you're going crazy, you're shaking. And this is where the mind control comes in. And then this is also where, where work starts to happen on the body. And so this is, I think, one of the greatest wellness hacks. And this has been really profound for me. Wow. No. And that sounds like yin yoga on steroids, honestly, because what's yin yoga yeah. in five to 10 minutes. So that's what I've been dabbling in. And and for me, like mm -hmm. the, I've been just real, even with, with lifting and all this stuff, I'm sort of moving away from it, but I love the, the mental power that it gives you when you're just doing anything for, that you really don't want to do, pushing the uncomfortability. And I think it does build mental toughness. Now, now Raj, you kind of created your own form of, I, what do you, I, I don't even know what you're calling it now, but Raj has his own little hour and a half, two, two hour, um, you know, workflow that he does. Raj, what, what does that consist of? Is that, is that similar type of yoga you're doing in it? Yeah. So I actually rotate it um, quite a lot. So I, I do some yin yoga some days. Um, other days I'll do Ashtanga yoga. Other days I'll do Kundalini yoga. So I'm rotating those three by three. So every three days, basically. And it's very similar to what Courtney was saying in the way that I'm, I'm really working on the mind, but with things, with all of these things, there's also the body element that gets worked as a result, right? It, it's still getting worked in some way, but what I um, love most about it is the fact that I'm breaking through barriers that I thought that were there, right? The barriers of, okay, I can't, um, stay in this, this pose for a certain amount of time or with Kundalini yoga is, is quite crazy and intense actually. Um, and using the breath, using certain energy systems in the body, um, moving. And there's, there's been times where I've actually just been doing this kind of motion, my hand up and down for like 10 minutes and my shoulders in extreme pain and, the thing is to push on and to continue regardless of that mind saying you can't do this, you can't do this. So that's been huge for me in the last couple of years practicing these, these kind of styles where you're having to push yourself beyond the thinking and the doubts because how that's translated for me is that that just shows me that this mind is going to continue to try and stop me um, it's going to continue to try and protect me and say, hey, this is bad. This is dangerous. Stop doing this. And that's okay. I don't need to try and strangle it or something like that. But I can just notice that it's there and I can know that I can break through, basically. So that's, that's why I continue doing these things. And similar to what Courtney said, um, I... Yeah, it's the one thing that I don't see myself stopping right now. Wow. wow. Yeah, and I've been, ever since Courtney and Laura came online, I've had like sort of breakthroughs. And I would say Courtney was a big piece of that with her astrology reading. It was, it was weird because I, I was not into it. And the first 20 minutes, she told me something about a man who passed away in my life. That, it was crazy, bro. It, was, it was crazy stuff. And it just kind of put me into this this realm of like, this stuff is real. It's, it was, it's always been real, right? But it, it became more real to me. And, you know, the, I would say to add to, to kind of what I've realized since then and everything in my life is like, 
ridiculously amazing now. And I don't think it's a surprise. Everybody episode 100, this is going to come out what May something. It's the same as the the year from when I started it. And it's the same of uh, within the same week as my first real comedy show in Manhattan. So it's like all these things that are very exciting. But I've learned, and I think you definitely taught me this, Raj, is letting go in a way. But And I, I have a little... I. I, I quoted i'll quote um one of the interpretations here and this is this just hit me so hard it says desirelessness does not mean ambitionless existence it means to work for the highest and noblest goals without attachment the desire to destroy poverty and ill health for example is a laudable one and to be encouraged but after winning riches and health one must still rise above all material conditions of the body to ultimately reach spirit and that's that sums up like what I feel since, you know, since POI came on and, and since I've just been remo- detaching this, the result orientation of like what I need, letting go, even like in the gym, right? I treat it more like it's a mental thing. And all of a sudden you're getting bigger, you're looking better. And it's like, it's just interesting how it's, it's weird. It's like a paradox of detaching yourself, but at the same point, putting in the work and I guess removing the emotions or the external externalities of like, other people's opinions, other people's thoughts, what do people think? And that for me has been like the biggest kind of breakthrough, you know? So all of you have helped me with that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's huge. And just to comment on that, because that really speaks to me in so many ways, because what I realized was that I was um, trying to control everything. And the, way, the bit where you said without attachment, that Mm -hmm. speaks so much to me because it's like, you can still do these things. You can still have desires. It's not saying go and live in a cave for the rest of your life. It's saying to not have these expectations or try and believe that you know everything all the time. Cause that's something for sure I struggled with. I I used to think I have to control everything. I have to know the outcome Mm -hmm. um, and that create anxiety. And then the body got tense. So then the body's using the energy, right? It's, it's creating energy to, to feel that stress. So as soon as I start letting that go, basically what you said, um, better results, everything just became better on its own. And yeah, huge, huge lesson for me. It's such a, an important thing, particularly being, you know, in the, this New York weird, you know, everybody cares about clout and this stuff. And I think for me, it's been like an awakening, but how have you been able to keep that Raj? What has been the, is it just for me? I think it's being for me. It's being really engulfed in my processes, whether it be podcast, comedy work, like just focusing on the process instead of focusing on the stress of it. And a wise woman said to me, I think Courtney said it to me, the, the, the path is in the process. And that's the, the, what I keep quoting. So is how, how, when does it get hard for you and how do you continue to remain detached, but with ambition? Yeah, that's a really good question because, you know, being a coach, but a coach who is very um, spiritually aligned is is kind of like some people say to me, how do you balance that being mode and then helping people get to where they want to be? Because it sounds like they don't work together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my own struggles with this all the time. Like I have big dreams. I have big ambitions. I want to get to places But as soon as I let my intellect start to predict how something might turn out or any possible challenges that might come up, that starts creating challenges for me because I think, okay, how do I face that? What do I do to make sure that doesn't happen? Or what do I do to make sure I get these results? It becomes that attachment and it creates the stress because it's, it's, it's having the vision that where you want to get to, but then it's detaching from letting that um, limit where you are right now. And the way I've balanced it the best is in this moment, how can I give my best in this day? What can I do today, which makes it the best day ever? And knowing that I've tried my best, And then everything just starts adding up. Those little days add up into a year, right? And then you get to that vision eventually. And then maybe the vision changes after because now I don't have expectations of it has to be fixed. It has to be like this. It it has flexibility now. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I, I've been trying to do that, but more on the basic level of just removing the negative shit that I'm doing, you know, because I mm. think my bottom chakras were always, I always just get stuck there, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's trying to prove something to somebody and just yeah. by like removing masturbation, removing having my cheat meal or just removing something. It's like, you feel, I feel more aligned. And in yeah. this book, the Bhagavad Gita and just all the, you know, I've read the four agreements, which is, um, you know, another good one. It always talking about truth. And for me, all I've been trying to do is like, just speak and f- just be more aware of like what I'm saying. Is that truthful? Is, is this a hundred percent true? And I think this has helped me kind of be, feel more aligned with everything that I'm doing to just be like, just be realer. And I think that gives me like an internal harmony, if that makes sense. And I want to actually yeah. add a little something to that. Sure. I'd even go deeper from, is this true into like, what is my intention behind this? Like, why, mm-hmm. why am I doing what I'm doing? Cause intention is, is such a huge thing. If we get clear on that, like, let's say uh, I want to make a lot of money. Well, what's your intention behind money? Like, why? why? Money's not bad, but the intention behind what you're going to do with it, is it for power? Is it for manipulation with that power? Or is it for freedom? Or the more money is a form of power. So when we have a certain amount of money, we can more easily spread our message or spread our word. And if there's integrity behind that word, going back to, you know, what I'm saying is truthful and it's, it's wrapping everything together. So anyway, just a thought on that, because that is another actually. No, that's a great point wellness hack for me is I sit down and I'll I'll ask myself certain things, certain desires, and I'll stop and say, what's my motivation? Like, what's my intention behind this? Why do I want this? And getting clear on that. Mm, Wow. What about you, Laura? What's been uh, some of the best hacks you found? Well, you know, I'm hearing you talk and the, the one thing that started resonating with me before I just go into um, what got me into all of this is when you guys talk about breaking barriers, it really just ring on my ears right now because breaking barriers for me in my journey, it's not only been about um, breaking, yes, physical and mental barriers, but also it's more about the barriers that I put on myself, especially about beliefs. So for me, my journey has been about breaking all this beliefs that I thought true, that I thought that I had to follow, that I ha- that I thought these are the right things to do, and just kind of like questioning everything. And I'm going to say one thing that came to mind. So I started in my yoga journey. I, well, I started with Ashtanga yoga. And Ashtanga yoga is very particular in the sense that um, there's quite some rules, you know, it's very structured. Um, it's very, it doesn't allow a lot of flexibility in the sense that, oh, just, you know, you at this post instead of this one or do this instead of that. Like, that's not exactly how it works. And it's not only, I, I love Ashtanga. So I hope I don't, <laughs> I hope that I'm able to express this um, in the right way. But um, it's not only about the practice and about the sequence. It's also about the lifestyle. So at what time you have to practice yoga, um, you know, what you have to do before it, what you have to do after, how you have to live your life, etc. So I started on this, on this journey. And that was very difficult for me. And I don't remember, I'm pretty sure that last time we talked about how, when I just changed my life and I decided to go from finance to yoga and how difficult it was. I mean, I remember we talked about it, but I'm not sure if I said how difficult it was to just deal with all the outside and all the external um, judgment or opinions about people. And that was really hard on me. However, the more I think about it and the more I go back to that moment, those moments of my life, it was not difficult because of others. It was really difficult because of me. It was very difficult because of what I expected of myself. And all these expectations that I put up on me, it was only because of what I saw on the outside. And I am a very, I'm not that kind of person. So I'm not the person who just, for example, Courtney, we're very different in that sense. We kind of like 
start meditation every day at the same time. We do yoga every day or she does yoga every day at the same time. She eats lunch at the same time. Um, Courtney might same eat food. the same lunch, <laughs> the same <laughs> lunch for the whole week. And yeah. for me eating two, two times, I don't know, like the same fruit in a row is just, I, I can't do that. I have to have some variation in my life. So it's just how different we are. So Ashtanga, as you can imagine, it didn't quite fit in my, in who I was so mm-hmm. much. I did great with it. <laughs> she did awesome. She was like, oh my God, yeah. where was Ashtanga in my life before? <laughs> but so the very difficult part about that is that I, I thought I was in the wrong. And I thought that I had to fit into whatever Ashtanga and all the community of Ashtanga was telling me to do or to be. That was really, really very hard on me. And there was a point, so I did my yoga teacher training and everything, but I I kept questioning that. And there was a point where I just was about to drop it all because I... I was just thinking, why, why am I just keep doing this? Because I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be the ideal Ashtangi. Like whatever I'm doing doesn't fit with that. If I sit on a table with all these Ashtangis, I feel like an outsider. So it was very, very hard on me. And I'm going to say another thing. um, And I also hope I don't offend anybody, but like all my life, I, I grew up in Mexico and all my life, especially in my city, the main um, the, uh, the main food or the main thing that, um, yeah, that they gave us when we were growing up is meat. And so imagine, I mean, for those who are yogis, like yoga and meat or ashtanga and meat, it was like a no-go. And that was also very hard on me because also my brother is a chef and I, and my parents fed us tacos, you know, and stuff like that. And, and there was this point where I was like, So does that mean that, first of all, I'm living my life entirely wrong? And is my brother going to a path of being a chef and like cooking chicken and this and meat and whatever? Is he in the wrong? Are were my parents in the wrong? Like my whole life has been then wrong? Like, oh my God, it was so, so hard on me. So hard on me. And it was just really me trying to fit that instead of like, Obviously, with with the years, I kind of looked in more and more and more. And I, that's why I started to go more into meditation and more into yin yoga and more into things that resonated with me, not because something was wrong, but it was just because, mm, yeah, I, I was just, uh, I think for me, Ashtanga came to me just to put a mirror and just question everything, but at the end of the day, it made me realize that the only important thing is that I remain true to myself and stop looking outside, just keep looking in. And that is one of the things that I keep working on like every single day of my life. But this, this was hard at first, not anymore, but man, (laughs) it took me forever. And and how, how did you kind of, how, how much did you struggle through that process? It's kind of like where I'm, still figuring it out, right? This, I, I feel like the, the bodybuilding for me was like, open up a mirror, like, okay, there's endless possibilities, which way you want to go. And for me, what I'm realizing with comedy and podcasts, like I used to be embarrassed about talking about it. Now I'm like, this is, I'm the fucking man. Like I'm the big dog, right? Mm-hmm. This is the way we do it. Good, good, um, yeah. And for me, it's like, just the more you do it, the, the more reps you get in and the more it's mm-hmm. almost the more I believe it. And at least that's the way mm-hmm. I went through it. Is that similar to how you felt Definitely. Or just going Definitely. through the process. Yeah, you start me and you started off like total opposites. You were like on the investment, you were you were doing the investment finance stuff. Yeah. That's really like it's um it's crazy. because my, my mother still to this day, she's like, You're gonna go back and she said to me the other day, she, a little change. She was like, I think you're you're figuring out who you want to be. And I was like, That's exactly it, Mom. You're you're listening to the podcast. That that's good mm. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Raj, how has that whole process been for you? Because this you just seem like it's a seamless thing, but I'm sure there's some struggle. Yeah. People say that to me all the time. They say to me, Raj, you just seem so calm and it seems like you have everything together. And I say to them, like, I don't have everything together. I'm still working on myself continuously, right? Even though I'm a coach, I'm still getting coached. I'm still doing courses. I'm still, you know, working on myself, but 
I've got to a place where I've done a lot of the hard work, going to those mm. scary, scary places. Similar to what Laura said, when things came up, it's kind of felt like I've opened this Pandora's box and there's all these monsters in there. And I wish I never opened up that box because now I see things differently. That's how it felt initially. Because it's like people are in their lives and they're going through their lives and their routines not much changes. And then when moments like this happen and you do something different and you realize, okay, maybe things, um, maybe there's something wrong with me. If, if everyone else is doing this and I'm doing something different, like, am I the weird one? And I've gone through that, those phases quite a lot. Um, and trying to figure out like, why did these things happen? Cause I, I struggled a lot with things like social anxiety, right? And even um, shame and believing in myself, that was, that was the thing for me. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't um, have a conversation like this, for example. Mm. And I had to really pull, pull out those ghosts and find out where was that coming from? Where were those memories? I even went to like memories when I was like really young, replayed them in my head and this is actually what I do with some people now um with some clients I'm working with I, I take them into the into those scary places where these beliefs come from and help them to try and reframe that because that's what I had to do reframe everything that I believed every single thing like any time you have a doubt a fear there's something driving that something is there in the background but it hides quite well it keeps itself hidden and it protects itself because that's all we know, right? So the work I had to do and like I've gone to, yeah, like I mentioned, I've gone to some scary places with it and going into like deep states of meditation and, and seeing these kind of ghosts, you can call it, and then realizing that they're just made up in the mind. They're, they're creations. They're created from experiences. They're created from beliefs and yeah, I had to just do the work to, to break them down, basically, and not break them down and get rid of them, but instead integrating them into myself. So it, like the thing that a lot of people try to do is shut out these parts of themselves that they don't like and say, I need to get rid of that. This anxiety, I have to get rid of it. It's a problem. But in the end, it will keep coming back. It's there. It's a part of us now. So what I believe in is going and finding those challenges and integrating it into the new version of yourself so you can find acceptance so it doesn't overpower you anymore. And that's why I've, I've become so calm in the past few years because it's like I've moved on and I've accepted it and I found my true power and I'm so comfortable in, in who I am now Things still come up, of course, but I'm just able to quickly know that this is not true. This is just thinking and emotions. It doesn't mean anything right now. Mm, so this introspection that that you're doing, like mm. that's how it's. I think that's the work, right? That's eighty percent of it. Just doing that now. If somebody's trying to figure out how to fix it, because for me, we do yeah. our meditation in the morning. I'm trying to do yeah. some introspection at night. It sounds like the way that you went through it was being so mindful. You were able to pinpoint it on a moment by moment basis. Is that accurate? Because that's that's impressive. Now I can, for for sure. Now I can do that instantly. Like if I feel any tension building up, I'll just know. I'll be able to catch it out within a second. I couldn't do that before because I was unconscious to it and. Maybe I can reflect on it later in a journal. Oh, you were, what happened today, Raj? What was that? Oh, it was because of this. But now I'm in this state where I can instantly catch it. And then I can almost just somehow release it and say, okay, I know what that is. That's that thing that used to be there. Um, and then almost smile and then it, it's gone. It doesn't have any power over me. Mm, so with this finding yourself piece, it's not so much that you're finding yourself it's really just keeping the good pieces and removing the dead wood and just invigorating on that. I think so. And like, there's this part of ourselves, which we have, sometimes we we've trapped this, this beautiful part of ourselves, which is there. It's just somehow hidden away or covered up with 
what who we think we are, right? And that's where some of these fears come in. So the good part is always it's always been there. It's those moments where we're walking and we're just like, you know, you see some little kids and they're smiling and you smile because you feel life in them. That's there. Everyone, everyone can relate to that. Whoever's listening to this knows that they have moments when they are like in joy and happy. So it's there. It's just covered up sometimes and it's not possible to always feel that way. So really it's just being more in touch with that part of ourselves and then knowing that all of these, these reactions and emotions are just patterns coming up and they're not really true. That's what I that's what I think anyway. And not really true might sound harsh or it might sound like, oh, I don't get that, but that that's how I've come to see it now. You know, that makes me think, uh, you put it beautifully. And what I think is like it's either none of that is true or all of that is true. You know, actually Courtney said this to me the other day. I was going through um some period where I was like not feeling great obviously we go through periods where we feel amazing and we feel like you Scott you said like I'm the man <laughs> you know I, feel next I level. got yeah. this I got this today got this. Today. today yes yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there's other times where like in a days in a row weeks in a row you feel like you got nothing right and you're doing everything wrong and I was going through something like that and I was having some arguments with my partner and I was telling Courtney how um I started to recognize how much of a victim I was being and I was like yes I don't know how I feel this way and then I was feeling guilty about being the victim because I was actually seeing it so I was seeing mm. it happen so I'm like I'm so guilty I'm making him feel this way and there was this whole thing and what she said to me it's like well yes you are and and so what you're also this very strong woman who can you know be very strong and steady and balanced and grounded. And yes, you are the victim too. You are this person who sometimes you lose it, sometimes you cry and sometimes you, you know, she was like, yes, you are. And so what? Like, stop with the guilt. Just mm. you are this and you are that. Or you are not this, but also then you are not that. So either believe it all or don't believe any of it. And, um, and what Raj was saying about just integrating the parts of ourselves that we um, tend to want to just reject or eliminate. Uh, and the best thing is exactly what you said, just integrate it and, and make it a part of ourselves and make a new version of it. Just, um, I thought about a story that um, it's this, so imagine you're in a room and there's a dog barking outside. So your room is closed but the dog is outside barking. So it'll be barking, barking, barking. And you're so annoyed. And you're like, oh my God, this dog does not start barking, stop barking. And that's basically your shadow. That's basically everything that we reject, everything right. that we do not want to allow in our personality, but it's there. It won't go anywhere because it's there. You're just closing the door to it. You're not allowing it to integrate. And the moment you open the door to that little dog or big dog or whatever, it's out there, he will just come and maybe sit with you and maybe just, you know, be annoying a little bit, wants to be petted or whatever, but it's not going to be barking. It's not going to be that loud. So basically what we have to do is exactly that. It's open the door to our shadow and allow it to integrate and it'll just be part of our new version of it but it won't be annoying us it won't be ruling our life it won't be yes just um uh, I can't find the word but I think I I yeah I said what I wanted to say just integrate all of that no and I I love everything you said about the just you know you could look at it either way right and I think that's that's what I see I always see that this world of like you could either I could wake up and say the world is full of malevolence and suffering or, and I, I can usually with that, I'm not bearing any responsibility. I'm going to be off my my game. I'm not going to meditate. Or you could take the opposite and say, I'm going to look at the world like it's a blessing, love, truth, 
and bear all the responsibility and truly push my being forward, which I think is it's easier to sit and say nothing matters, right? Because I'm just going to take the easy way out. No, fuck, fuck everything, right? And I've done that. And it's easy, but there's not, it's not very fulfilling. And I think when you, when you really try to look at aim for the highest possible good and, and aim for something, I think that's where it starts too. Um, aiming, at, at least picking a target. You know, I feel like my 20s, I didn't even have a target. And um, now you're just kind of, now we're slowly circling in on what the, the point of everything is, you know? That's exactly the intention what Courtney was talking about. Why am I, I even trying this? Why am I going this way? Courtney's just dropping knowledge because she's dropped some Instagram messages to me. Same thing. Because, uh, you know, I, 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 I always think like, could you be this stud muffin, Brooklyn, charismatic guy and a comedian and a podcaster talking about spirituality? It's like, hell yeah. You could, right? All yeah. right. Well, Courtney said so, so I <laughs> you believe You create it. this stuff, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I think that everything goes back to, in my opinion, everything goes back to grief work and shadow work. Like everything is grief because grief is anger, denial, sadness. It's all these emotions. So they're all just little components. And so they all funnel into grief and it's, it's grieving. I don't know. You know, I was once a wife. I'm no longer a wife. I once worked in politics. I'm no longer that. Like these identities, we change, you know, grief work and then shadow work too. And shadows, shadows work is part of the grief work. And it's what you guys were, were talking about with the integration. And the more, I think shadow works the hardest. I, um, and I feel like anyone listening, if they're like, well, what shadow work? Shadow work is like, basically what you would never want the public to know or hear about you or anything that you feel shame or anything you cover up. And it's so raw and exposing. And I don't know, but for me, kind of like what Raj said, you know, it's looking at everything scary in the closet. And once you open that closet, like I think actually the hardest step is, is the first like opening the door of the closet, like opening the door to let that dog in or opening the door to like look in that closet and then you start to look a little and in my experience like I just couldn't stop and I still can't stop and now I mean Laura and I this is in business as business partners and then also as very dear friends like um, a big intention for us in, in life is I want to see everything that scares me and I want to be able to look at it and I want to look at it calmly and I want like the strength and the courage and we mirror, you know, that back to each other very much. But to me, shadow work is if, if something's uncomfortable to me, I'm like, Ooh, there's a message here for me. I'm going to lean into this. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the duality um, of this, of this shadow work has been something I think I've been indirectly doing it because like, I think Raj was talking about how things get in the way of these thoughts. And most of the time for me, it was, thoughts of worthlessness or anger or mm. feeling like I'm not in, you know, I don't have congruity within myself. And that's basically what that shadow self was, right? It was, it was telling me, you know, you're, you're, you're saying one thing and doing another. You're, you, 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 I, I at some points I, I actually had like two contradicting beliefs about love, about women, about this, about that. And it's like, what, what the hell do, do you want? So I think opening that door is the most important piece for sure. And I would say they're both right. Like this goes back to like, I, uh, for me, it took, shadow work took me a long time to wrap my brain around. And it's kind of like what Laura said, like for a long time, I was like, okay, well, all of this is scaring me. So if I look at it, it's going to go away and clear the way. And for me, it hasn't been that way. It's actually been, no, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply insecure. And I'm also very secure. Like I actually, I can hold both and I am both and both reside inside me and I can express both at different times. And I think the real humility and the depth in the work is getting to the point of um, when, okay, let's say like this insecurity is being expressed in me, just being able to look at it and being like, all right, well, we're insecure today. And, and even in my mind, cause I'll get real psycho psychoanalytical like I'll just be like well did something happen did somebody say something to me was this because of my father when I was a child you know blah 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 and instead just being like okay we're having an insecure day like what do you what do you need little Courtney like what what you need another cup of tea you want to take five minutes out to meditate like it's okay be insecure like feel it and then strangely enough 
it's almost like the moment I give myself permission, that's when the integration happens. Like there's, there's awareness and then there's the integration, the acceptance. It's almost, it's holding yourself, you know, almost like you would hold a child. And then, um, and then that's when the integration happens. The moment I see it, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm insecure today. Like somebody can't see me like this. Da, da, da. I can't behave like this. The moment I push it away, it just gets bigger. Um, I don't know if you guys have had the same experience with, with shadow work or. Roger, you ever dabble? Yeah, I, I, I'm all about <laughs> it, but I'm, I'm talking too much. Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. I just said, you I know, totally it's agree. for me. I would say the first the first couple of years, I just I couldn't sit like by myself. Like I just I, I never wanted to be alone until I was like twenty five or twenty six, and I was like, "What the fuck is like? What is this?" And that's when you stumble upon the shadow work. It's like just sit with your emotions, and I, I find that that is the um, it's like the hardest thing for you know. I, I I'm around a lot of young kids in the gym, and, and I just tell them just sit. Just, I don't call it meditating anymore. Just sit yourself for ten minutes, see what happens, and you'd be surprised how many people just can't do that and would. And I would, I struggled with that. And now I just, I love being alone because I, I kind of found the leverage of what happens if I don't figure out the shadow work, or at least I don't un unveil this, like what is going to happen? It's going to keep coming up in these weird ways, which it still does, but much less at a level, you know, I, I'd say I'm literally black and white from compared to, to five or six years ago, you know, but they don't teach you know, us that. Sorry. They don't teach okay. us that actually. They teach us all the opposite. Like if you are a kid and you're just like sitting in your room, not doing anything, your mom or dad comes and they're like, what are you doing? Get uh -huh. yourself to do something like help me clean or, you know, what are you doing just sitting in there? So we're actually not allowed. And I think I speak for most families. Like it's very rare unless you have very conscious uh, uh, parents that they just allow you to be in or that they actually listen. What if the kid just wants to be sitting I don't know it's just it's just very difficult to get to that point but I think in general the world is is getting there slowly very very slowly but I think we are getting there because more and more people are waking up to this and so if those people are gonna have families you know it's gonna start changing but it's gonna take it's gonna take a while but that's what we're trying to do all of us here I think just trying to heal ourselves because this is where it all starts like we cannot teach our children anything that we don't know ourselves like the real knowing what we were talking about on the other episode too it's like there's a difference with knowing and and knowledge you know the knowing comes from within so from there you can just spread it but yeah to to know and to not do is to not know I say that to myself all the time. I'll repeat it to know and to not do is to not know. So that what you just said about like teaching our children, we can tell them, but children follow our behavior. They're going to just do what their parents do. And so if we're teaching it to them, but not doing it and neither Laura nor I are parents. Uh, I was going to say that. Nobody has kids. But if we're not doing it, I mean like, and to, yeah. So if it's not integrated, we're, we don't actually know it, you know? not in the behavior absolutely it's uh it's an interesting thing because I, I i was brought up the opposite i was talking like ma i'm really not that happy i was like 10 or 11 like, what are you talking about you're fine like what are you talking about you're fine it's like it's like this is the norm um of life and it's like if i had a class on this when you were eight or nine or ten probably figure out a lot of stuff but but to to jump on laura's point i do think there's something going on right we see it in america particularly there's something it's more than just side versus side it's, it's something geopolitical going on you see it at the end of the roman ages you see at the end of the greeks power there's just a certain awareness going on that people are like waking up to like what is actually going on like what is the, the purpose of this and i you know even my everyday life going to an office every day a week uh, five day, I, I can't believe i worked in an office five days a week wasting an hour and a half each way i just i can't believe it. i can't yeah. actually fathom it and these little breakthroughs are going to keep happening and keep happening i think we are a part of that right well, and I think as a collective, you know, this is something I've thought about a lot. I don't think it's a coincidence that as technology has advanced, that a lot of these ancient techniques, such as yoga and meditation, that were reserved for just, you know, in India, we'll say Brahmins or sages or spiritual people have been doing these and passing them down, teacher to student, teacher to student, teacher to student for, for ages. 
they were released essentially into the greater capacity, into the greater part of the planet around the same time that we started having this technological boom. And I believe that this is part of their wisdom, but we needed those tools. Like, and I believe that through these tools, I mean, people weren't, sit, people weren't collectively meditating in the West the way they are now in the early 19, a hundred years ago, this, nobody, we didn't have hundreds of groups, hundreds of people sitting around meditating in, you know, things like a Vipassana retreat or any sort of meditation retreat or normal people weren't having, you know, daily meditations. And as this happens, like it, it affects us on an individual level, but then also the collective. And I believe, I think about this stuff a lot. This is like where my mind goes in my free time. I believe that um, the, the sages and a lot of the people that started releasing these techniques and yoga coming to the West, I mean, yoga was only taught, it, like only spiritual sages were doing it up until, you know, less than a hundred years ago. It all kind of opened up around the time we've had this technological boom. So it's like um, technology accelerated, but also we've been given these tools. And so it's like as a collective consciousness, and then even how we're able to communicate right now, I'm in Alaska, Laura's in Mexico, Raj is overseas, you're in, you're in New York, like 20 years ago, we couldn't have done this. Like everything is advancing and changing. And so for that to happen, like the human consciousness can only hold so much. We need these tools. We have to sit. If we're, if we're not learning to sit, we're going to, you learn, you go crazy. You, you, like you, you choose. And, and so, I mean, I hope that in the next like 20 years, like in, in, you know, schools are starting to teach children like, uh, discipline around the phone or discipline around like disconnecting to reconnect to ourselves and then going back just for our mental health and for other things. And, and again, like as a society, the ship is so big that it moves slowly, but I believe that all four of us and, and probably everyone listening to this podcast that is interested, we're all really important little uh, drops in that bigger, in that bigger ocean, you know, rippling out into the collective of, of, of keeping things, you know, sane and healthy and, and questioning things. Yeah. And that, that comes back to what Laura was saying about you, you, it's all or nothing, right? You couldn't think that you don't matter or you could think that everything you do matters. And just looking at it from like a, people think, Oh, well, how am I going to make a difference? We have, you know, a thousand people listen to this right now. How are we going to make a difference? But that me can us connecting to those thousand people. If they tell one other person, all of a sudden now you're, now you're a million, then they tell two people. And even in my gym now, it's weird. Somebody comes up to me, Scott, what is this mindfulness stuff? What is this? I'm like, Holy shit. Like this is, this is all, it, it works. Like it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. But I think, you know, we're all just kind of raising the consciousness slowly, but surely. And, and I'm more nervous for the people that are going to get left behind because um, I think that's going to happen. And you, you know, we don't know what the data is going to show with kids who are born with a cell phone in their hand, what they're going to look like in 30 to 35 years. And that's, that's what scares me a little bit, you know? Raj, how are you feeling about all this stuff? Fill me in. Yeah, no, my um, brain is, vibrating as I hear all of this stuff because it's it's funny because a long time ago I wouldn't have ever done this stuff well not even that long ago maybe <laughs> about eight years nine years I only started um practicing yoga about seven years ago right so and I I had that point of view of why would I do that or why would I go to a yoga class it doesn't make sense. And that could be a male thing. I don't know. But um, I just had this thing of it didn't even enter into an idea that I would entertain. No way. I was interested in what I was interested in. So I was closed off from it. But now, as things have changed, especially because of, you know, pandemic and stuff, like um, Courtney said, we are looking for ways to find peace. Like the number one thing I get asked as a coach is how do I control overthinking? Number one, well, probably one of the top five at least mm -hmm. um, because people are looking to get out of their heads and get away from that, that stress and busyness more than they want anything right now. And I think it's just, it's been that way before, but now there's more awareness of it. And there's more tools, like Courtney said, there's more tools that people can practice and it's become normal to do these things. Like, for example, 
some people are not into meditating and I'm not going to tell them, go and meditate, go and do yoga. I'm not that guy who's going to make it into a thing and bring people into it just because I am, right? But I will help them and find a different way to do it, like going for a walk with no phone, with no music, nothing, just being there. And I'll say to people, go and um, see if you can notice some sounds, see if you can write down a few things you see, and then write down when you get back what, what happened on your journey. That's practicing being present, right? Just in a different way. It doesn't have to be you sit down cross-legged and do these or do these like weird yoga poses, you know, it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. Just because, just because some of us do it. Um, I personally don't think that suits everyone because I've been there, right? I've, I've been in that place of, I don't want to do this kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's about everyone finding their own way to get present and not be on their phones or looking for distractions or Netflix and stuff like that. And there's so many ways to do it. Um, it could even be writing. It could be, I don't know, practicing up some music. Um, for you, Scott, it might be, let me think of some comedy. That could be you getting present in a different way. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're thinking in that place. You're, you're probably thinking, but it's just getting out of that mode of constantly having to do and do and do and achieve and achieve. And yeah, the world definitely wants that right now. Everyone I speak to is looking for that. Yeah, I think you nailed it because that's like kind of how I was feeling the last couple of months. I was just like, you're you're doing everything the right way, but it's like I'm sick of like waiting to feel the empowerment of the of like the pleasure of doing it. And now that I've I've found this little spot of like detachment. It's just nice to be like, I don't really, I don't want the pleasure. I really don't. I don't yeah. want to jerk off. I don't want to have sex. I really don't. I just, yeah. I, I enjoy the process of being here like this. And that, like, I've been thinking a lot. I was going to save it for the end, but we'll just talk about it. I've been <laughs> thinking a lot. And I think I've been seeing, I've been reading all like the, I read interpretations of the Bible, interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita, all this good stuff. And like, for me, it's surrounded around truth and love and you know, we're just going to put this out here. Jessica Jessica's going to freak out when I say it, but Jessica told me she loves me last week. And I was like, wow, this is great. And I just, I, I, it's weird for me to say, cause I don't know anymore if I even know what love is. Right. And I'm trying to wrap my head around it before I say it. Cause it means a lot to, for me to say it. And I hate today's world. Everybody's I love you. I love you. I'm like, bitch, you don't know. You don't mm. know what love is. Right. <laughs> and I, I was curious to know through your guys' journey. What do you think love is in a, not a romantic way and just a, high level way of your interpretation of it. Laura, take this away. That's Laura. a heavy one. This I just, I Laura. dropped a this bomb. Is, no, but Laura yeah. loves. Oh, perfect. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm on the spot right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh my God. Okay. Love. Well, all I can um, think when I hear the word love, is actually think is incorrect. I use already a wrong word there. But love for me is expansion. I think that's my translation expansion. of it. So I thought I had loved some people and I have used the word I love you, I love you, I love you with many different people. And it has always meant something different. But not long ago, I had this um, beautiful experience where I thought that I finally, and I say thought, and I, and I still, I still cannot say like, this is it, you know, because Mm -hmm. I think love is something bigger than we can even grasp. So when I'm talking about love, I'm just talking about my experience, but Not long ago, I had this experience where I thought I finally understood what love is. And all I felt was not necessarily love for the other person. It was something that was actually growing inside of me. I literally felt like I could not contain it inside it. So that's why I call it expansion, because it was a feeling that I had never felt before. But my whole being, my whole soul, my whole me knew that it was expansive and it was loving and that it was something that 
I cannot just um, I cannot take with my hands. I don't know. I'm finding hard to find words, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I will just say expansion is what what my definition would be. I'm actually struggling a lot because <laughs> it's like putting words to something that doesn't really have words. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I know it, it was supposed to be difficult, Laura. That's why I'm glad you took a shot. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, good, I was not ready for this. I wrote, Sorry, down, I, I, got, I, I wrote down stuff and I like, I've, I'm prepared, right? <laughs> it's going to be the host. But like the, the, I've, it's, it's hit me internally more than externally, I would say. And I think, but that's where it starts. And for me, expansion was a great word. I have bliss written down here. It's almost like an expansion mm. of bliss throughout my being as a person. And just once I feel like that, that's where it starts, right? If you can't, if you don't love yourself, you can't really love other people. And this is what I was trying to tell Jess. Not so much I don't love you. It's just I don't love myself quite yet. Or maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe we do. But I, I feel like I want to first really, truly love myself. That way I can give the fullest version of my love to somebody else, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. We, can, well, sure. we can only love someone as much as we love ourselves. Like we're not, if there's not, like that's, we can only meet people there if there's not mm. self-love. And as you guys say that, that when this happened to me, when this feeling came to me and took all over me, uh, it was at a time where I was doing the most work on myself. And there were very dark times, but with very dark times come very bright times, you know, because yes, you might be struggling, you might be in the darkness, but because you are heading to the light. And so I think that this feeling came to me when I was heading to the light and I was learning to really, really accept and love myself for all of who I was. And otherwise, I don't see this feeling coming to me when I am just like not liking myself, criticizing myself, judging myself. So yes, definitely what you said, Scott, like it it all starts within and then it can go outside of us. For yes. sure. and, and that's what I, the other word I got written down here, Laura, acceptance, acceptance was, was huge for me. Just, just understanding mm. that and being able to say, okay, you know, cause I, I, I'm very much like you guys. I would say my darkness could be pretty dark, but I, I really like that about myself now. Cause that makes me being a good person, even more powerful, right. Compared to somebody who's just kind of, you know, like the intent part corny was talking about hit me because I, I feel like I was always a nice person because I was weak. And now I'm a nice person because I I'm choosing to be nice to you because I want to uplift you or make you a better person or whatever, you know, I'm feeling, but it's usually instead of working at a place of, of lack and suffering, just being nice, just to, just to get through, just to get a sale or there's now I'm being nice in a more genuine basis because I know what I'm capable of and I'm choosing to not be that person and be a, a good person, you know? Yeah. Raj, what do you got on love? Cause I'm, 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 I'm pretty hyped on this for, for you to tell me. <laughs> I was pretty hyped when you asked. I, I was like, I, I, I need to have a shot at this. I need to have a shot at this one. So what is love? That's a huge question, man. And the thing is, um, yeah, I'm really glad you asked me this because this has been something I have only understood recently. Like I even, I even thought to myself, I don't even think I knew what love was for my whole life. I used to hear that word and, you know, ex-girlfriend said it to me and I, I didn't really get it. I was just like, yeah, they're just saying that, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. She just likes me. That's all. Um, and what I've come to realize, and this has been probably one of the most powerful um, transformations, let's say, is when I'm able to let go of myself and my own agendas or my own thinking I know things and really feel what someone is feeling really really feel it and think about someone and just feel this energy light up in this in the heart and throughout the whole body like for example I'll give you an example just to make this make more sense for me as well um my parents for example uh I I haven't really understood so many things about my upbringing, right? And recently, in the last couple of years, I've just got so much 
gratitude, firstly, for them, for everything they've done, and their being, just their existence, just thinking about them makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And that's what I feel like love is. And I never experienced that before, right? I didn't know what that was. And for certain people in my life, I just think about them and my whole entire being is lit up inside. And I didn't really understand what, what is this feeling? I'm just feeling grateful. I'm just feeling good. And I realized this is, is the connection, is the connection. oneness of us as people. Because now I can feel love for anyone, any person. I can somehow, even if, I, if they've done something bad to me, I can create this feeling of, you know what, we're one, we're humans, we're, we're similar in some way, and there's nothing really different between us. And once I can dissolve that, you mentioned duality before, once that's dissolved, like if I'm, I don't know, in a really deep state of meditation or whatever, once that's gone, there is just love. There's nothing else there. It's just I'm, I'm one with everything at the same time. And that's what I feel like that feeling I felt for my parents was that I feel now and for friends and for strangers. It's just that, that connection of us as beings and energy, light, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, that's that's been my insights on what I think love, what I, what I feel like love is now. Damn, that was good, Raj. <laughs> You've answered that one before. I haven't. No, I'm, I'm really. I'm just really glad you asked me <laughs> oh, because it because it made me think, and I was like, man, I need to express this right now. <laughs> the, the connection piece hit me because that's you know yeah. I think that at at a deeper level, that's like my favorite thing in the world is connection. No matter, you know, no matter what, that's why I do everything I do. And I, I don't yeah. think it's a, you know, it's a surprise. All of us are involved with, you know, connecting to people through the word of mouth, right? It's, um, yeah. it's a very interesting thing, but I think we shall be grateful for it. Yeah. Gratitude, that word you mentioned, Raj, um, that really resonated with me because the feeling of love, I think it comes automatically with a feeling of gratitude. Whenever I feel this big love expanding and like, you know, going everywhere to every single person, to every single place at the same time and automatically, I feel so much gratitude for it because the love is coming from inside. But, you know, people outside can trigger that love too. I mean, people outside, we are all connecting and we are all interacting. So yes, it is possible that this person in particular triggered this love in me, this situation, this flower blooming triggered that loving feeling in me, that beautiful sunset triggered this amazing feeling in me. But still, where is that love? It's inside of me. Just the external is triggering it, but it's all inside. And that just generates a lot of gratitude for I mean that love I mean where is it coming from it's so big that we cannot look at us trying to define it here like it's just like it, it's out out of us it, we can't it's it's hard the words are just not going to be ever enough I don't think agreed agreed thoughts on that Courtney um, I've been working with this healer in North Carolina and she's been, we've been doing a lot of different chakra work. And she actually said, she goes, you've been meditating on your third eye for a long time. She's like, this is really open. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, about a year ago, I, I moved, I moved some of my intention down to my heart. And she said, you need to stay there, <laughs> which I thought was, was interesting. Cause that's, that's a, more of an issue for me, but, um, uh, Lately, when I've been meditating, I actually have been asking because your body listens if you talk to it. It will always listen. Apologize to your body for times you've heard it. And, and I believe it always listens. So I've been saying all intuition, all, all, all words, everything. The heart is the boss. So you guys all, I want you to all start going through the heart. Heart, you're the boss. Be humble, be vulnerable because vulnerability is how we heal. But going back to what love is, I wanted to actually preface it with that because the heart and love has been a really big topic for me recently. But the first thing that popped up when you when you um, asked this question 
And when you mentioned what you said about Jessica, I was working in politics and I had just left my marriage. I, I was married for about uh, seven years and my marriage was quite emotionally abusive and really quite toxic. And it took me about a year to build up the courage to leave my, my husband. And I was a mess. I mean, I was not, I look, I mean, I was functioning, but I look back and I'm like, Oh, it was, it was a rough time. So the kind of rebound guy I first started dating right after my marriage was a lovely human, but a, a complete and utter playboy. Um, and I remember sitting there like looking at him and just realizing like, I love this person, but I can't tell him that he doesn't love me. And then I remember kind of chewing on this for like a couple of days, like thinking about it. And I was like, well, do someone need to love us back for us to love them? Like, isn't love in, its, in itself like sufficient unto love? And so I remember thinking, I don't need to tell him this, like I can still love him. And in hindsight, I look back now and I realize I was starting to love myself, getting the courage to leave a toxic relationship and walking away from it is, is a testament of self-love. Like that's a step in the direction of self-love. Like I won't allow you to treat my, me this way. Like I love myself. I respect myself too much to walk away from this. So these kind of going back to the summary of what everyone just said, but like these little things were starting to to bloom in me. And around this time I was, I, I negotiated um, the summer off in politics so that I could go to France and study yoga, another form of self-love. So all of these things were coming up, but at the same time, there was this person outside of me that was very kind to me, but also very honest. He was like, I don't want a relationship. I am kind of a playboy, but I promise I'll be really honest to you. And I loved him, not because of him, but because of what was going on in me, but also there was integrity and honesty between whatever the rebound situation was there. And, and I never told him. And I don't know if it was real love or, or if it wasn't, but I do believe it again, it was love within myself. So to, to wrap that up, I would say love is loving someone and not needing them to love you back. Love is loving someone and maybe needing to blurt it out and say it, but kind of what Raj said going back to it's just this and, and Laura this feeling of gratitude like this I love whatever you're contributing to my life whatever you're bringing out in me whatever you're pulling out of me it's it's expanding me it's making me bigger it's it's making me better and I love you so much for it and and I guess that yeah that's how I would summarize it damn there's a lot there's a lot of good content in this one I'm gonna have a lot of good clips for this guys damn <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it here. I'm going to end it on love because that's what it's about. Um, guys, Mind Academy, is it up yet? May? May 10th. May 10th. Everybody check that out. I'm going to put all that notes in the bottom. Raj, anything coming up for you? At the moment, no. I'm just focusing on really building really good relationships at the moment with people. And yeah, working with the clients I'm with right now just working with people that really want to make some change, but they don't know how. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it just lights me up to be able to help people in different ways. Right. Yeah. If anybody has a problem, just DM Courtney or Raj, not to knock at Laura, <laughs> but I, I, I haven't done that yet to Laura. I will bother you, but uh, you guys are very good at that. Raj, the, the, Raj just asks these, these questions that just make me want to cry instantly. <laughs> it's just like, like God damn yeah. Raj, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> questions and challenges right that's it man that's it um yeah. no but we'll wrap it up here episode 100 we did it people i'll see you guys at episode 200 um you'll be seeing these these faces again people don't worry about it um keep doing what we're doing leave a like review subscribe all that junky salesman stuff that i hate um i love you guys seriously i do thank you so much for coming on and uh for being sincere and supportive all that that good stuff um as always Stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. Bye-bye. Boom, people. We did it.